Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. And we're back with another episode of Cannabis Karaoke. Today's guest uh, has been kind of a pioneer in the science space, uh, started up a, uh, a, an event called the Cannabis Science Conference. And I'll, I'll tell you what, people, this guy has been amazing at who and how he's had people work around him. And he's like his own little mini tornado, complete with the red slippers. Um, I want to welcome Josh Crosney to the show. What's up, Josh? Hey, Danny, it's great uh, to be with you today. And what, what an introduction. I hope I can, I can live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I remember when we crossed paths probably a couple years ago, and, you know, it was up in Oregon when, you know, kind of Oregon was actually just starting to turn on. And I was like, what? There's a, one of the first science conferences. And I'm like, I have no idea what we're walking into. And the things that you got to learn that first year and it's you just been building on that. So how can you not get introed like that? Yeah. And, you know, it's been it's been such an amazing journey. And, you know, when we you know, I set out on this kind of, you know, journey or whatever you want to call it in, in like 2015. And really, you know, my background was in, you know, staffing and recruiting. And I really um, honed in on like the analytical science um, kind of community. So working with environmental labs, um, you know, instrument manufacturers. So I was kind of tuned into the science and I was going to a lot of, you know, the larger scientific events. And I knew a lot about quality control at that point. And, and you know, I when I realized, like looking into the cannabis industry, that it was this huge industry that people were making a ton of money even back in 2015, 2016. Um, obviously not like today money, but, you know, it was still pretty good money back then. And I realized that like the science was not like a whole like, you know, boxed up, packaged, like complete thing that there was a lot of things lacking, like standardization and testing. And, you know, a lot of markets like California one at the time, um, the entire market, the medical market there didn't even require quality control testing. So for me, like I said, kind of being in that, you know, quality space and working with analytical professionals was kind of alarming to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a medicine. And like, of course, like, you know, I definitely uh, feel and, and know that cannabis inherently is safe as a plant and as, you know, a medicine. But when you start bringing in things like contamination and human error and things like that, um, you know, things can get a little a little dicey sometimes. So I really just kind of saw that it was a market that was not really tapped and like also wanted to help, you know, use my connections and the skills I had developed to try to help that along a little bit. And you know, I connected really early on with, um, you know, a few pediatric groups like Canna Kids and people like Tracy Ryan and, you know, hearing their stories about like, you know, their four-year-old, three-year-old children that are going through chemo and radiation using this. And like, obviously, as a parent, you want to make sure that anything you're giving your child has been, you know, quality control checked, especially when, you know, they're, they're dealing with things like that. So it really just, you know, became a passion for me. And I'd honestly you know, that first show in 2016, it grew way bigger than I even thought that one would be. And, you know, when we originally set out, we were like, you know, looking at the venue and it was like, okay, we could do maybe like 10 vendors and maybe a couple hundred people. And then, you know, months later, that show ended up being like 800 people with, I think, 75 vendors. <laughs> you know, that's, I, you know, they always say, if you do what you love, you'll love what you do. And it'll just, it'll just happen and work. Um, yeah. And that was evident, you know, I think that was the first time, at least for our company and our people that, you know, we were rolling with to like, see the back end 
I guess you could say of cannabis. Cause really science is the back end of, it's the back shop, right? Right. Exactly. Well, and you know, I always kind of say like, you know, science and like, even though the research is limited here, there's some going on obviously, but you know, the science and like the research that's being been done in Israel by Dr. Mashulam and other people like Dr. Deddy Miri. I mean, really that has all been instrumental in moving this forward um, with public opinion and with, you know, government in, in these different markets. So I think that really science at the end of the day will be what continues to move this, this, you know, plant and this industry forward. And I think, you know, there's science of everything, you know what I mean? So why would cannabis be excluded from that? Well, I think I, and uh, my, my thoughts are when it was a black market business, um, there was a big gap between science and cannabis, you know, oh, no, absolutely. it yeah. was all organic. And luckily it was an organically driven space. So people were trying to sure. do the right thing, but sure. And, you know, there were also, you know, there were a ton of people that were like, you know, you know, patients is what we would call them now. Like, and, and even sick people like cancer patients, epilepsy, things like that, that were, um, you know, at the time, I guess you could call it self-medicating with, you know, on the black market. Um, but it's kind of like one of those things, like, I mean, I know if I remember back to like my high school days, um, it was kind of like, you didn't really have much of a selection. You just kind of like, whatever the guy had, that's what you got. <laughs> and as we know now, there's so many different, you know, types of cannabis, um, you know, cultivars or strains, if you will, that do different things and interact differently with, with different people for different conditions. So really, you know, I, that's why I always say to the people that could be benefited by this medically that are like, oh, I tried it once in college and I didn't like the way it made me feel. And my first response to them is like, it's possible that you might have had the wrong type of cannabis for like your body or for whatever you would be trying to use it for. Um, you know, for me, for instance, I'm a patient in the state of Maryland and I use cannabis to treat anxiety. And I was in a really severe car accident some years ago. Um, and I have, you know, some PTSD issues from that. And for me, like if I smoke like a, a, a super strong, like sativa, that to me would kind of exacerbate the symptoms that I'm trying to tamper, if that makes sense. So I think it's like, the science can be as like basic as that and like as advanced as like, you know, like I said, the stuff that they're doing in Israel. Yeah. I think that was exciting when, you know, I, that was the first time, like I said, where you saw the back room of cannabis and it included the front end, obviously, because every event always has the front end. But I think at that point is when, you know, everything, things around the globe were starting to take place too is, and as a visionary and someone that you've, you know, and we, I want to talk about your latest event after I ask this question, but did you think that by doing that event, did you have a planned outcome like that you were going to daisy chain a set of events um, elsewhere? Not that you caused it, but right, you were on that train. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I try to be, you know, as cautious and humble as possible when I discuss this with people because I do not feel, you know, we are, you know, I don't think it's just like with anything, like not one person is ever going to change the world. Do you know what I mean? So my plan was to just, create this platform that would maybe at least play a part in, in that discussion. And, you know, I think we've been really successful at that. Um, you know, we've had the opportunity to have, you know, the, the top level individuals from health Canada at our shows and in our Canada boot camps or pre-conference workshops to really help educate them on developing the programs that have really went on to legalize cannabis in Canada federally. Um, and, you know, we, we work with people from all over, you know, we have, someone from the California EPA that's speaking this year. We, I think we had someone as well last year from the EPA. So really, um, you know, like I said, I feel like we're definitely, we're accomplishing what we set out to do was, like I said, to play some kind of role in the advancement of cannabis science. And, you know, more so 
than just us as a conference. It's really the platform, I think, that brings together, you know, leading researchers from Israel, from here, from there, um, to kind of come together and and share their knowledge and information. And, you know, it's really exciting for me for me to see when I have, like, one, like, amazing researcher that to me is, like, you know, kind of celebrity status, you know, like Dr. Deddy Miri or Ethan Russo or people like that, and to see them, like, excited to see, like, the other talks at our show that are not theirs, um, really, like, says a lot. You know what I mean? Like, if this person that's super legitimate is, like, excited to see, you know, the rest of your lineup, you know, at least select, you know, you know, main select stuff, it's like, that's a cool feeling. Um, and, you know, we really have something for everyone. You know, our show has expanded over the past, you know, few years. And, you know, now we have our analytical science track that covers, you know, everything from testing for quality control to processing, manufacturing, um, research, regulations, all that kind of wheelhouse stuff. And then parallel to that, we also have a medical cannabis track that's all about medical cannabis topics, like roots of administration, um, different um, topics in cannabis, like cannabis for pediatric patients, cannabis for geriatric patients, cannabis for pets, um, cannabis nurses panels, veterans and cannabis panels. So we really have that. And that's really, I always say, our our session room that speaks to the people. You know what I mean? That that one speaks to like the patient or the general consumer. Um, and you really can walk away with great information in there. You know, our, our analytical room is, is, is pretty technical. Um, so if you don't have like a science-y background, I do, like I said, suggest either the medical or the cultivation. So that brings me to our third, which is the cultivation science track, which um, we've really, like, we launched that at our um, 2018 show last year in um, in Portland in August, and then we did it again in April in Baltimore, and it was a big success both of those times. And I'm um, a very firm believer in knowing your lane and staying in your lane and knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at. And um, I'm not ashamed to say that cultivation is not my area of expertise. So for that track, we do um, kind of reach out and work with a few individuals that are really awesome. Uh, We work with uh, my great friend, Autumn Carsey, who owns a company called Cultivo. And she's this amazing, like, um, woman that does like indoor sustainable cultivation facility design and build out and license, um, you know, requiring license for groups. So she's amazing. And then uh, parallel to her, we also have a husband and wife duo, um, Dr. Jacqueline Kern and Dr. Roger, I'm sorry, Dr. Jacqueline Green and Dr. Roger Kern. And um, the interesting thing about them is that they're full-time, you know, cannabis consultants now, and they're, they're working with, with different brands, but brought prior to the last few years of doing this full time, they spent 30 plus years with NASA's jet propulsion laboratory doing research on growing agriculture in space. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so we're really excited that, uh, have them as allies at the show and, and working with us and, and it's been really great. So like I said, we have, there's three, you know, different focuses and then really at the end of the day with those three tracks, there's something for everyone. Definitely. And I think as I've seen your event kind of emerge, I guess, and continue to scale, um, it's a, it's a, you fill a niche that is interesting because there's business cannabis conferences, there's the full blown science cannabis conferences. And I think I feel like, and I hope I'm not off because it's a be embarrassing, but (laughs) I feel like you kind of drive your conference on the basis of how to help where everything helps people. Um, across different ailments and it's a unique, but much needed, um, you know, kind of look at the space. Why Portland and why Baltimore? What, why, why did you choose those destinations (laughs) when everybody else in cannabis is on the, you know, California horse? 
Absolutely. So I'll say first, like, um, you know, our show is definitely what you were just saying. And then, but also it's kind of a hybrid when you think about it, because we do have our, you know, exhibit floor that features close to 200 vendors, you know, ranging from, you know, scientific companies to medical companies to ancillary brands like, you know, attorneys and promo companies and packaging. So that is really where, you know, all the business is done, obviously, at the show. But um, it's really interesting. And like, the story kind of has like a 360 spin to it. So I am based in Baltimore, or as I like to say, I pay a mortgage in Baltimore, <laughs> but live in hotels all over the place, <laughs> right? Uh, which is not uncommon for most people in this industry. But, um, you know, at the time, like I said, it was around 2015 that I was like really starting to want to make a career jump. And I've been interested in cannabis for, you know, some time just on my own personal level um, and really interested as a business person and entrepreneur in the way that this industry kind of like, you know, in, in a lot of ways popped up out of nowhere and then just was this huge industry. Um, so yeah, like in 2014, late 2014, early 2015, like I said, I'm based in Baltimore. So I started just doing what I would, what I would advise anybody that's interested in getting this industry to do is just start going to things, start going to conferences, you know, um, just start going and connecting with people. And I would say like my biggest advantage in this industry has been some of the really lifelong friendships and connections that I've been able to develop with, with key people in this industry. Um, and you don't go out there looking to like, Oh, I'm going to make friends with this person because of this or that. You just, you make friends with great people and, and great people just want to help and lift each other up. And I've been really lucky um, with the folks I've been able to connect with in, in that circle. But um, you know, we, in, in the process of going to other shows um, you know, one thing is I saw out of the markets, we, we, we went to Oregon and scoped out things, went to California, scoped out things, went to Colorado. Um, you know, to be completely honest with you, one of the things with a startup that we didn't have any money, you know, I self-funded this. One of the things that made California a little prohibitive was it's pretty expensive. You know what I mean? So that was something that was kind of off the bat. We're like, okay, well maybe, you know, someday, but um, for our, like I said, at the time when I was scoping locations, I was looking to do a much, much, much smaller event. Um, and then, you know, we had been to other cities and I talked to some event organizers that had worked in Colorado. And at the time, I feel like, um, there were some issues where maybe like some events were having issues with like the local government and things like that. And it was more difficult for them to operate. And then we went to Oregon and I had, you know, some connections there and I had some friends there. And I really got to tell you at first, I just kind of fell in love with the vibe of Oregon just in general. I think anyone that goes there for the first time, it's like, you know, you just, it's just such a cool city. And like, when you've been there, it's just like, oh, I can't believe I've never been here. And then I realized that the the event market there was not super saturated, that there wasn't a ton of like, you know, conferences or bigger events. And, you know, the plan was obviously, you know, we were even originally going to do this smaller event that we wanted to grow up to a bigger event, but it just ended up growing up, you know, faster than we expected, which I think is like how parents probably feel about their kids when they finally grow up. Um, but it was really like that. And, um, you know, we just honed in on Oregon and it, it felt right. And it was also at a time where there were conversations going on in Oregon. And this was right around when, um, recreational was becoming a conversation in Oregon, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And it was already kind of going on. And, um, there was kind of a divide between the medical and the recreational uh, market there. And obviously, you know, that has not, um, not gotten better, but it just, it just seemed like a great 
market for us to come into and to build this platform. And I'll tell you, like, Portland is our hub and we get a ton of, you know, great support from Portland um, with like, you know, some vendors and obviously lots of attendees. But our show really is a global show. So Portland kind of becomes like the hub for people to travel in from like, you know, I think at the 2018 show we had, I think, 36 different countries represented in attendees, um, which was crazy. And some of these countries are like, you know, countries and you see them and you're like, wow, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're surprised that, um, that they're coming, um, like Japan and stuff like that. But it's like, obviously, you know, this, this, um, the interest for this stems out much further than, than the U S. So we're really proud about that. And, you know, our vendors, um, are again, a global pool, but, you know, a lot of our vendors are coming all the way from the East coast just to be at the show. So it's really, um, like I said, it's, and I really always anticipated to bring in global key opinion leaders and to have that kind of like, you know, global feel to it. So really like we were just, you know, more so than not looking to hone in on a hub and everything about Portland felt right. And, you know, the, um, we did it at a hotel there at the end of the day, like that ended up being a lovely venue. Um, the red line on the river, I would definitely suggest it to anyone who's, you know, if they're doing something, you know, medium to small, but um, as I said, after that first event, we knew that, okay, you, this was so big. We were busting at the scenes at the hotel. They're like, you might want to move to the convention center. So we did that. And then so in 2017 and 2018, we've been at the Oregon Convention Center. And then our 2018 show was so successful that we um, decided to launch a spring East Coast edition for 2019. Um, and that was a kind of an easier decision for me because, like I said, I live in Baltimore and uh, Maryland is um, a new market. And it, um, you know, obviously, you know, another thing was when we, when we set out to do this, like I knew I couldn't do it here at the time, you know what I mean? Because I knew that there, you know, we had been just about ready to legalize it medically here, but there was no market yet. And I knew, I know the way the government works in these things, when you legalize one thing, it takes forever. So it did take quite a bit of time. Um, but then, like, as I said, we've been in Portland the past couple of years and over those years, I feel like there's been like a medical cannabis revolution on the East coast with like Maryland and New Jersey and New York and Pennsylvania, all these States in that time had really made changes. So we really felt strongly it was time to, to bring the show to Baltimore and to the East coast. And we are glad we did. You really have created a global um, destination. I think that's what's so kind of cool about how you, how, by chance or by, I don't even want to say by chance. I mean, I think a lot of this space is built on gut and how you navigate yeah. and what feels right. And, and to be honest, it, the space, you know, so many people now are caught up like in just a state's scene. And I think when, when this thing started out, everybody was having to travel to different States cause there wasn't as many events as there are now. And so the next breed of people that are coming through are going to have missed that chance to be kind of the melting pot opportunity. And I think that you answered the question almost exactly how I would have scripted it, which is you're really not a regional event. You really are a global event. And on top of it, you know, you're a glamorous guy. And I say that with affection. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about how you've managed to attract star power, but not just star power because these are your friends and, you know, more like strategic star power, people that actually share your vision and aren't just trying to launch a brand, but, you know, they're actually speaking to their conditions and, and helping people. How, where was that in the business strategy or was that just another Joshua's, so, Joshua's smile <laughs> success? <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting. Cause like, 
you know, some people might think to themselves, why would a celebrity, why would a science event have a celebrity speaker? Um, and I guess the, the shortest answer to that is because I'm the organizer, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, I think with any, any other movement or any other thing that you're trying to really advance the message of, I think celebrity influencers bring so much to the table. And it's not that their, their stories or their journeys are any more or less important than, you know, anybody else that's part of this industry or community. It's just that, you know, when you're talking about some of these people we've had the opportunity to work with, like Montel Williams and Ricky Lake, Fran Drescher, and, and others, and, you know, now I'm super excited because we just announced that um, Amazon John Easterling and his lovely wife, Olivia Newton-John, will be joining us as our uh, celebrity plenary speakers for the Portland show in September. So, like, that's amazing to me. And, you know, for me, um, I think that these people have platforms and, and voices that are much louder than, than others, you know what I mean? People that, you know, are just, you know, not famous, I guess you could say the best way to, to frame that one. Um, but it's like any, you know, anytime, I like to say anytime that, that, um, you know, someone that is, you know, a celebrity influencer or even a, you know, um, high profile political figure gets involved in this industry, like that's a move in the right direction, you know? And I know that like, you know, we've heard people complain about some people and I know when like Boehner came in and some people were, you know, upset about that. And I, and, you know, obviously like I don't line up with him politically and his views on that. But even with that situation, I'm like, Hey, there's someone that was against us that's a high profile figure that is now with us, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So I think there's something to be said for that, but you know, we've, we've been blessed to be able to work with such lovely celebrity influencers and, you know, we've been able to connect with them through, you know, friends of the show or friends of mine. Um, you know, for instance, like with Ricky Lake, Tracy Ryan, who's a dear friend, I'm on her board at Canna Kids. Um, they're doing great work in California. Yeah. Congrats children. to Canna Kids too, with that recent, you know, round yes, that they just secured. Yes, so that's a big yes. deal to really push the forefront of medicine for absolutely, kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I like to always say that Tracy's a momcologist on a mission. <laughs> you know, she might not, she might not be a doctor, but she is a momcologist. Dude, the tears, um, the tears that flow though, f- following her path is just yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, well, well, and, you know, to any of your listeners who aren't aware, um, Tracy um, and her family and her lovely daughter, daughter Sophie, um, who was diagnosed with an optic pathway glioma brain tumor when she was just eight months old, is which, which obviously led Tracy and her family to cannabis and this industry. They, uh, they're they part of a documentary that Ricky Lake just came out with, with Abby Epstein, with her filmmaker partner, that is called Weed the People. And it basically um, follows and, and, and highlights and, and documents the life of five pediatric cancer patients that are using cannabis as a therapy. And, um, you know, it's really interesting because with this film, um, they actually were able to follow, you know, Sophie from being eight months old to I think about four years old. So they filmed for quite a long time because they wanted to really get the now and the future kind of of this story. Um, And it's really a powerful film. So, you know, like I was saying, having the opportunity to connect with some of these people, you know, through a direct source. So like working with Tracy Ryan, she obviously, you know, got us all connected with with Ricky. And, you know, I have a great friend, Bonita Money, who got me connected with Montel early on. Um, But then, you know, it's really great because you you start to develop your own connections with these people and you kind of, you know, you know, almost have your own friendships with them. Like I definitely would consider Montel a friend and, you know, you know, Olivia and her family are so lovely. I mean, we've, we've actually 
had the chance to connect with them over the past couple of years because uh, we, we've worked with Olivia's husband, um, Amazon John Easterling, who is such such a wonderful wonderful man and and he's he, they call him Amazon John because he lived in the Amazonian jungle for like a long time and he studied all the like like all the like you know healing properties of medicinal herbs and like he's all about like gemstones and they're like you know harmonic like you know synergies with things and so really cool like holistic um you know guy and they're just you know two of the love, most lovely people and you know their son-in-law James has been a friend of our show for a while and um it was actually great because last year at the 2018 show, um, John spoke at our, at our cultivation track and Olivia just ended up turning up as an attendee to, to come check out his talk. So like that for me was like, Oh my goodness. Like there she well, is. She's, you know? she's, you know, dealing with, you know, having battled breast cancer, Yes, yes. you know, and, and, and um, having used cannabis somewhat in the dark, I guess, um, up yeah, until recently. Yeah you know kind yeah, of admitting and, uh, yeah and you know it's um and and she is she, like she's one of those people where you like you spend you know a little bit of time around and you walk away just feeling like I, gosh I want to be a better person like I want to be more more like you know this person because she's just so loving and, and just such a caring person and you know she loves animals she loves people um and she's just she's just you know they're really at the end of the day you know, they're people, you know what I mean? They're, they're well, just you've, like us. And I think you've two, done two things. One, you've built a comfort zone for these, you know, celebrities, and, you know, or people of influence to share their story and, and help sure. endorse. But they're also probably some of the most, well, maybe except for Montel, the most non-polarizing people as well, right? Like you, you look at the people that you're working with and you're like, I can't really say any bad things about any of these people. These are all right. amazing people. And I think that's a testament to who you are, how you run things. And, um, you know, well, and that's the thing, you know, like it's funny. I actually had a guy from one of our science companies that we work with. And he said to me, he's like, you know, Josh, he's like, at first I was coming to the show and I was like, why does he have celebrities and professional sports players at the show? Do you know what I mean? Cause we always do a professional sports panel, um, you know, with like X NFL, NHL, you know, all that type of great stuff. Um, and we're doing that again this year. We have Marvin Washington, who's awesome from the NFL, um, Riley Cote, who's from the NHL. We have a great um, female rugby player, professional rugby player, who's actually currently still playing professional rugby named Anna Simmons. And Uncle Cliff, you can't come to Portland and do a sports panel without Cliff Robinson, I feel. I feel like <laughs> that you would be remiss to not do that. So everybody always loves seeing Cliff. Um, so it's great having him back. But, you know, the guy, he then said to me, he's like, but then I'm here and I see the way that these people, you know what I mean? Like attendees just react and engage like when these celebrities and these people are speaking. And he's like, and I got to say, I get it. You know what I mean? And, you know, for us, it's like, it's not enough to just be the quote unquote next token celebrity in cannabis. You know what I mean? It's like you pointed out, we're working with people that have substantive connections and really to either medical cannabis or science. Do you know what I mean? So Fran, obviously, Fran Drescher, she had her her personal story with, you know, cancer. And she was misdiagnosed for a long time, which is one of her biggest um, platforms is early detection and prevention. Obviously, that's so important. But she also does a ton of great work. She has, 
I, I think it's a pink van, the pink van she takes to like, you know, um, you know, impoverished neighborhoods. She calls it the Fran van. And they, they provide free pap smears to people, you know, in, in impoverished um, neighborhoods. So she's doing great work. So really it's like, we're working with people that have an actual story with this. And they're not just, like you said before, maybe trying to push a brand. Um, and I will say <laughs> that I would agree with you that Montel can be a little polarizing, <laughs> but that is one of the things I kind of love about Montel is that, he has his message and he has his story and he has his pain and he's in your face about it. You know what I mean? And like, and sometimes even at our show, like it's, it's it, like he, cause he speaks to the fact to where he's like, all you like scientists and all you medical people and all you people that are jumping on this bandwagon that were not a part of this before, like, it's not just about money. You know what I mean? And like, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, there could be a couple faces in the room of like the people he's talking to and they're kind of like, Whoa, but I think it's it's a story that we need to hear. And I, I think that, you know, Montel definitely deserves a lot of, you know, street cred, if you will, because he really, you know, to my recollection, other than like back in the day, like Snoop Dogg and, um, and Cheech and Chong, he really was, you know, to my recollection, one of the very first, you know, celebrity, you know, advocates and influencers that really put all of his, you know, you know, power behind advocating for this. And, you know, he just, he does such great work for veterans and, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's definitely in your face. And I don't think that um, he would be surprised <laughs> to hear that anyone thought that, you know? <laughs> well, and he's got some street cred. He got arrested in 2011 for, yes. you know, carrying a, a pipe, I think a little dog bone pipe and he got popped. And I through. think it was completely clean. Like, I think it was completely clean and it really didn't have. It wouldn't surprise either. me. He's a military man. You know what I mean? So right. he's, he makes right. his bed to snap a quarter off yeah, of probably. Exactly. So if he's exactly. traveling with it, I'm sure he's uh, making sure that it's not, you know, it's not a foul one that most people and would be carrying. He's got a great show. I know. I think it's on the Lifetime Network that's um, called Military Makeover. And it's kind of like, you know, the extreme home makeover show, but for military veterans that need, you know, updated living conditions and things like that. Um, and he's got a great team around him. Like, I don't know if you've ever met Melanie McLaughlin who works with him, but she's, she's a rock star and she's, um, you know, I think she's been with him since the Montel Williams show, like even early on um, and, and that. So, you know, and it was really interesting for the Baltimore show because we had Montel Williams, and Ricky Lake that were speaking on different days. But like, I kept getting emails from people because obviously, you know, their backgrounds line sure. up. The Monto Williams show, the Ricky Lake show is right around the same time. Um, people kept asking me if I was going to have like a dueling talk show, <laughs> like <laughs> on stage. I'm like, that would probably be interesting, but I don't know that uh, they would be super interested in that. But it was, it was really nice because, um, you know, they, they missed each other at our show because it was different dates and there was a flight issue. Um, so someone was delayed, but, um, they got, I got to connect, you know, Ricky's people, Ricky with Montel's people. And, um, and then they had another show that they both were speaking at, um, in Canada where they did get to meet up and, and, you know, for them, it's like, I think that, you know, I don't know how close they've ever been there. I think they've always been friendly, but I think it was fun for them to connect. Cause like, it's like on the other side of like TV, they're both now in this space. So I think that was, that was fun for them both to connect and exchange information to like stay in touch. It's, yeah, it's always interesting. You think when people are sharing a time slot back up that they would, you know, have coffee or tea. But a lot of times it's just if it's Hollywood, you're just coming and going as you do. It's a job. And right, you right. may or may not. You may say what's up when you walk by them or something, but you're not necessarily breaking it down. And I think, you know, back to making that uh, making an event that's comfortable for these guys. I mean, you're also networking them when they should have already been networked. There's a right. um, 
there's a piece of it though that you haven't touched on yet and and uh i think when i look at your event and i see how you do things there's a little bit of hollywood slash glamour that comes out you provide like a media wall so people can take pictures you have the celebrities walking around on the floor you know you're not isolating people it's a real comfortable event and then you are dressed to the nines usually. So let's talk a little bit about Josh's fashion. Tell me a little. Well, I see these. I'm, we're friends on Facebook. I'm blessed to be friends with you. And <laughs> I get to see the new shoes or at least the ones you want and these all these crazy yeah. outfits. Talk to us a little bit about Josh, the fashion guru. Well, usually if I post a shoe, I already have it. So like, if I Fair post, enough. Because if, if I don't post it, I'm thinking about it. But if, I, if it makes it to the, the, the book, then that means that I have it. But so it's really, it's really an interesting, um, you know, connection. And it's like, it's a, it's a interesting backstory. So like, for me, um, you know, I'm a proud member of the LGBTQ community. Um, not that that would be, you know, probably would be a huge surprise to everyone that has met me um, that that might be so. But, you know, coming into this industry, um, because I guess I came from an industry where I felt like, you know, I toned myself down a little bit to be professional, if that, if that makes sense, to, or to feel like I was fitting into what other people's idea of professional was. And coming into this industry, I knew it was, you know, more, you know, open and, and not like, you know, all the typical corporate roles didn't necessarily apply to this industry. And that really was, you know, appealing to me. So there was a time where like, I had a conversation with myself where it's like, do you like continue or, or even build on trying to be what someone else's idea of is a, is of a cannabis entrepreneur or a cannabis professional, or do you just like go into this, like being 100% like authentically your true self. And, you know, after like talking to myself, because I mean, you know, sometimes I think if we're all honest, we do have conversations with ourselves, <laughs> not like the ones where we talk back to ourselves or hear anything. <laughs> but um, I think people know what I mean when I say that. And, um, and I just decided that. And I think it's been my biggest advantage. You know, um, it's funny. I always kind of jokingly call my shoes, like my marketing shoes. And, you know, that being said, they're unfortunately not a business deduction. So they're my marketing shoes that I paid for out of my own pocket, obviously. But, um, but it's like I said, it's, it's really been great just being myself because when you, I think when you're yourself and you're like true to who you are always, all the fakeness and all the pretending kind of falls away. You don't have to remember like who you're supposed to be. You just are who you are and you can focus on the things that are important, which is like building your, your career and, and you know, personal development, you know? When I think for me, the first couple of times we ran across each other, it, you know, and look, we, there's, everything has a birth point. So you, you don't just become who you are. You have to kind of create that and you have to have momentum and you have to pay attention to it. And, you know, every time I've seen you, like you, you are true to yourself. It's that, I think that's another real big winning point to working with you on these conferences. And frankly, I think, you know, if I were looking at your conferences, like from a outsides perspective, like what would I tell Josh, you know, almost like nothing. It's like, <laughs> I mean, maybe put one in Europe. I don't know. Like is Europe ready for you. I don't know if they're ready for, I know they're ready for you fashion wise, but I don't know if they're ready right. for you in cannabis. It's a little slow go, but you've right. almost, you've almost created what most people desire and almost set out as a, as a strategy, which is becoming a destination event versus yeah. a geo-regional event. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, yeah, like, I mean, that's not, you know, you're not too far off there. Like, we are definitely, you know, internally talking with our strategy people. Um, you know, Europe is definitely 
um, you know, in our, in our sites at some point. Um, I don't, I don't know that I would do another large, um, you know, large show in the U S because I think you're doing the East coast, West coast, take it somewhere else. Like you were saying, um, but we have been talking about doing some other stuff in some of these, you know, s- smaller markets that are just getting developed to just be there as an education resource. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I really, I mean, I appreciate that feedback so much. And, you know, it's, um, it's not as easy as people think to do an event. You know, I think people go to an event and if it's done well, you kind of go and you just don't really think about the, the back end of it. And, but there are, you know, there's 10 million moving pieces um, to every event and, you know, to hear, you know, from someone like you, who I immensely have respect for you and all the brands that you work with, like CCTV and now Cannabis Karaoke, like that means a lot. And, um, and I really have always tried to be available to our attendees and to all of our, you know, exhibitors, obviously, and everyone. Um, and when I say that, I mean, you know, really at our shows, like I know that like, you know, we have a small team and I am, you know, at the end of the day, the face of the show. So I know that there are people there that want to, you know, say hi. So I take the time to stop and any person that tries to stop me and say, hello, I always, you know, to the best of my, you know, ability will stop and and shake their hand and say hello and thank them for being there. And I really want people to feel like when they're at our events that they're really a part of it. And they're not just at some event where it's like, who is the organizer of this event? You know what I mean? Like, I want people to know it's like, it's like when you host a party at your house, like, you're the host of that party and you want to make sure your guests are taken care of. And you're, you're the one that's like, Oh, do do you need another drink? You know what I mean? Like it's that kind of stuff. And I, it's like, I feel like at this point, our events, it's like an extension of my home. And I feel like I'm, I'm welcoming these people in. Um, And granted it can, it can be challenging when you have 3000 plus of people at an event um, to take the time and do that. But it, like I said, it's something that's important to me. And even if things are challenging, doing the things that are important to you that you feel. And like I said, I think that's been a part of our success. And I think that, and, and, and for me, I say that and every single handshake and every single hello and thank you for being here is all genuine. Like I mean it from the bottom of my heart so much because without these people, I would not, have a show. Do you know what I mean? So I know that and I understand that. And, and I just try to value every single person that is involved with our show. What it, and it shows, I mean, I think it's, it's a risky proposition when you build a business, um, you, you, some strategies are built off of, you know, yourselves, which is, you know, being available and forward facing. And, but if you don't do it right, that can be a brutal position to be in. Like if things, if springs are popping and you know you're the face and you're attainable tell have you had any moments where like there's share a moment that would help somebody else that's like trying to create an event like a key thing that you may have overlooked that when you realized it and provided a solution for it it made your life easier and allowed you to to continue to want to do the event number one and number two scale to where you can entertain more people yeah i mean you know at the end of the day like you have to have something that's not being done. You know what I mean? Like that's the biggest thing. And I think that we see, you know, you know, it's no secret. I think, you know, marijuana business conference is an amazing show. There are so many people that want to be that and start shows and they try to do the general business shows. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, personally to me, not to say any other shows by name, I really feel that MJ biz is kind of the 600 pound gorilla in the room. And like that probably wouldn't be the best thing to try to compete with. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so even for us, like, you know, we kind of, you know, started out as pioneers, but we've already seen some other 
events pop up that have tried to, you know, hone in or kind of, you know, emulate, um, you know, what we're doing even. And like, you know, I, like there's an old saying that like someone says, um, what is it? Imitation is a sincerest form of flattery. Yep. But I have another like thing I added to the end of that said the guy that's stealing someone else's stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think having a unique original idea um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about cannabis is there's so many different facets to it. And it's not just one thing. This is a whole entire American industry that like the closest thing you can compare it to really is like the dot com boom. And I think like just like with that, there's so many different levels of entry um, that you can focus on. So I think really focusing on having a honed in like idea, like, you know what I mean? Like not just shooting and trying to be the next best general cannabis show because it's being done and people are doing it well. Do you know what I mean? So um, that might not be the smartest thing to do. I think, you know, having a team around you, like my team is small, but I have some of the best people in the world around me. Like my COO is Andrea Peraza. Like, you know, and, and as you probably know, Danny, before, like, until after the first show, it was, I was just me. <laughs> so like, don't do that. That's probably my first <laughs> thing I would suggest. Rule don't number one, do not yeah. go alone. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. So after the first show, you know, it's like, you're, you're drowning in it. Like imagine like an event, like I said, at that size, 800 people and 75 vendors. It's like, I'm even just like dealing with the questions that come in, you know what I mean? It's like a full-time job. So I brought on Andrea and I believe it was like early, early 2017. And then she helped us get through, uh, obviously the shows since then, but that was instrumental to bring on a COO, like someone that can help me manage and keep track of things and, you know, make sure everything has its place and work with the accountants and things like that. And then, you know, I have one of the best strategy advisors in the industry. I work with Leah Heiss, who's a great, um, compliance and regulatory attorney. Um, she's with mission brands, who's a division of forefront, um, and they have a multi-state operator, um, and she's working on that nationally um, and internationally now, I think, I believe. And um, she also served as the CEO of Women Grow for some time. Um, so she's really just like, you know, like, pardon my French, but she's just a badass woman that, like, I love working with. And then, you know, like I said, kind of going back to before, it's like connecting with good and genuine people. You know what I mean? Like, I have so many friends um, that don't necessarily work for me. But, like, we bounce advice off of each other. We, You know what I mean? We, we might be in different, like, you know, fields of this work. But really, you know, at the core of everything, it's business. And business is business. So really surrounding yourself with good people. And I think, you know, keeping track of your data and your information. And, and I think, you know, marketing to people. I think, you know, sometimes we see events or just brands that can, you know, overkill with marketing. Like, with the emails, you know, we try to not send you know, at the max, we try to only send two emails a week, um, you know, used to our, to our full list. Usually we do one a week, um, you know, but then obviously when the shows get closer or wrapping up the show, we, we bump it up to two sometimes, but it's like, you know, people don't want to feel bombarded. Um, I think really for us, you know, let things be organic sometimes. Like a lot of our growth has really been organic. You know what I mean? Like we just, and, and really like, if you do have fast growth, really innovating your company. And like I did, like I said, I, I knew I had to bring someone on knowing when the time is to really expand your business with the growth of your business, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So you don't outgrow yourself um, in a sense to where you get too big, too fast and you plateau and you peak and then, and then it's that. And I think we've seen that 
a lot in this industry uh, with different groups and different companies. So, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Has any of that been helpful, do you think, to people? I, I'm going <laughs> to sum it up. If you're riding a roller coaster, you don't drive it. You listen to your audience <laughs> and you park your ego so that you Absolutely. can yeah. you can grow. There's Everything you just said there is is what stops people from growing because if you don't put smarter people around you and don't try to elevate your game, no one else is going to. And therefore you will just sit at a certain level or you'll fizzle out. You'll just hit a wall. And I think the other thing you said, which is really impactful is, you know, find if you want to get like whatever category is, but we're speaking about events. If you're going to do an event to your point, like don't attack the biggest animal in the room Right. Uh, unless they're doing something flagrantly wrong or different or in an atrophied way, you focus on providing something that people don't have access to. And I think that's something that is really the key point. When you were listening off a little bit back about all the different people that you have doing panels and speaking is, one, you don't ring out. Your, you're not doing a road show. Well, some of these trade shows are, are like a road show, and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's no different than a circus coming to town, and they go to the, each location, and they bring the same show more or less, and it changes right. a little bit, but for the most part, it's the same Sometimes show. Sometimes it does it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the same panelists from different regions. Like, there's no mm-hmm. shame in that game. But what you do is – and you – rarely do well, I see if you do that, it, that it, if you do that then it is just a regional show yep because who would travel to like why would a person go to two of your shows a year if they've already been to one and it's basically the same thing exactly i wouldn't <laughs> right so what is next for joshua what is uh what does he see i mean i realize you have the science events and you work with can of kids what else are you are you dipping your toe in anything else so I'm working with, I have some interesting like things in the, you know, in the works right now. I have a few, um, a few groups I'm talking with about potentially getting involved with some licenses and different markets. Um, I'm actually working on a podcast with some of my friends that we're putting together. Give it a um, shout. What is it? Um, it's called, it's going to be called the tribe talks and that'll be with my friend Stormy Simon, who used to be the president of overstock.com. And now she's doing amazing things in the industry. Like she's on the board of high times she serves on the board of Canna Kids with me, and she's just an amazing, um, eclectic, great individual. And then my friend Leah, who I just was talking about, so obviously uh, compliance regulatory attorney, really you know, well-known, great lady in the industry. And then my friend Autumn Carsey, who I was talking about a little bit earlier, who um, – who is into cultivation, facility design, and things like that. And she's an expert in that. And she's been, you know, she's been at it for years and years and years working in cannabis. And it's really interesting because like we all have different backgrounds and and kind of um, you know, point of views on things, but we're all really good friends and we all have a great um kind of vibe with each other. So we're really just trying to have fun with this. And it's kind of just, you know us hosting the show and then we'll talk about different topics, have on different guests, you know, obviously, you know, the format of how these things work. Um, but yeah, so that I'm sounds like exactly, a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure of the launch date, but we were, we were just on a work trip for that in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, getting some, you know, some general content in the can. And we had, you know, some film people there getting some, some, some collateral that might be popping in and out um, sometime soon. But uh, yeah, you know, I just, I, and, and it goes back to like, the friends and like how great of connections you can make in this industry. And, and really, I think for me, I've been lucky at that because I have been my true self. And, you know, a lot of people are very intuitive and you're, you're coming at them with like a fake energy or trying to be something you're not like, 
it's going to read all over you. You know what I mean? And no one's going to want to be your friend at that point. You know what I mean? Well, it's, a, so it's like think, animals have a good instinct. If you stay intuitive, you'll, right. you'll get a good instinct on, you know, who to work with and where to work with. And, <sighs> and there's a new generation of people coming in, Josh, we see them. And, and some are coming from corporate backgrounds. Some people, I mean, if I can't go a day without someone asking me how they can get into the space and I'm sure oh, you do as well. And it's, well, it's like your Facebook friends and it's like your Facebook friends that know you're in the industry, but they're not in the industry. And they send you every single cannabis related thing they see on Facebook. They like send it to you in your, in your mailbox. I'm like, yeah, I've seen that 30 times today. I kind of go back to you said, you know, cannabis is the, I can't remember your statement cause I was, I'm a little high, but you said something about cannabis being the biggest thing since. And I, in my mind, yeah, yeah. I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, fire like there's i don't know if anything's disrupted this planet faster than cannabis besides fire possibly so it really is a revolution now it's not it's no longer this dirty little secret it's not a gray market we're not a white market it's a revolution you have countries around the world looking at how they can get theirs to um thailand of all places you know where you would die if you had you know anything on you um, in that country now, all of a sudden, is getting cannabis friendly. So we're seeing some major strides. Which is insane, right? <laughs> it's just crazy, right? And so but it's great. I mean, and it, it kind of is like makes you think like, what is really going on here in the U.S.? You know what I mean? Because really, the rest of the world followed our lead on prohibition and the war on drugs and all that stuff, and which was unfortunate because, as you know, but you know, some of your listeners might not. Cannabis was has been used and accepted in society all over the world as a medicine for far, far, far longer then it's been prohibitive. It's just been the past 80 years that the propaganda and the stigma and the reefer madness, if you will, has really like led to what's happened. And like the rest of the world, you know, we, um, even I would say at that time, were viewed as an even bigger leader on the world stage. I think that might've diminished in the past few couple years a little bit, but, um, but we won't talk about that. But I think it's, it's interesting that now, like, you know, because of what happened in California in 96 and because of what's been happening all over the country, I really truly feel that that is why we've seen countries like, you know, Canada do medical and then eventually recreational. We've seen the country of Colombia has legalized medical um, across the board. Australia has legalized medical across the board. Like you're saying, countries like all these crazy other countries that you would never think are starting to look at this. So I really feel it's unfortunate because I think that the conversation is more political here than it is anywhere else you know what i mean 100 percent. and before we wrap up i want to just say like one of the things we got to straighten out and i know you i've you know probably you're going to nod your head in agreement is like we still have people serving time for nonviolent offenses because of the plant and a lot of minority based um americans are facing you know still significant time for the same thing like a lot of these other people are getting rich off now and i think we got to if it, if I have faith in any industry, like I have faith in cannabis, I know we're working on that. I mean, you saw Illinois, uh, you know, as part of their legalization, they were going to expunge, you know, a bunch of people's right. records. I mean, so I right. think those are the things that I am excited to see going forward. Uh, as right. We well, in California, pushing. they're even doing like some social equity stuff where it actually is beneficial to you to have had some ticket licensing that if you've had some kind of you know, run in with cannabis only, obviously nonviolent. But I mean, I think that's such a such an important thing to highlight because it's like, it's literally the image in your head is like there are black and brown people still sitting behind bars while their straight white male counterparts are literally making millions and millions and sometimes billions of dollars. So it's like, there's a disconnect there. And I think that as much as we need to see this, this industry progress, like 
you know, federally for legalization, we need to really overturn the, um, the, the damage it's done to, to these communities at the same time. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I just, I think it starts with letting them go. I mean, look, not every low level offender with cannabis doesn't also have something else attached to that, that caused them to be where they're at. But right. for the ones that have just been busted with a joint or, you know, just, it just, we just need to f- fix those things and, and make sure that those people get a chance to live their life. And, and maybe like you said, California does have its social equity issues or, a pro- um, uh, since situations that they let, you know, uh, people with money bring in people that have had these social inequities and have them be a piece of that company. So it's good to see that our politicians are actually kind of doing something at times with push, obviously yeah. the right way, hopefully. Yeah. And if we can just keep that ball rolling, that would be great. Hey, Josh. Yeah, well, I mean, even like, even the, you know, I think to my knowledge, I think, um, I mean, there's more than there were before. I think there's like 25 Democrats running at this point, but I think for the majority, almost all of them, if not all of them are for cannabis regulation and legalization in some way. And I mean, even Trump, you know, has said things that have alluded to the fact that he will be thinking about this. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's the good thing. It's starting to become more of a bipartisan Definitely issue. could reduce the deficit. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Yeah. Hey, Josh, let me, we've talked now for 50 minutes and uh, I want to thank you for all the knowledge you bestowed on everybody. Um, I hope the listeners get as much out of it as, um, as I have. I mean, again, having known you for a little bit, it's good to hear some of the backstory and it's always good to talk to you. I want you to let people know where they can go to for the website, for the conference, where you're at on social media, and, and then we'll wrap this up and let you get on with your day. Yes, absolutely. And it has been such a pleasure joining you today. And we're so excited to be working with you guys on this show. And, you know, any of the listeners that are interested in attending or even learning more about the show, they can visit us us at CannabisScienceConference.com on all the social media platforms. It's, you know, at Cannabis Science Conference. Um, I think that Twitter might be at Canna Science Conference. I think that's the one that might be different. But, you know, again, it's the 2019 Cannabis Science Conference West. It'll be at the Oregon Convention Center September 5th and 6th. And we have plenary speakers, Amazon John Easterling and Olivia Newton-John. And I'd love for all your listeners to come and join us. It's a great show. And if you're in cannabis, you should go. And if you're thinking about being in cannabis, anywhere, Portland's beautiful. And it's going to be a great show. And I'll make sure all of those social media hits as well as your website are in the blog that go with the podcast. Josh, it's been amazing, dude. And I really appreciate what you're doing for the space. And even probably more so, I love your fashion forward (laughs) mentality thanks for being on the show man i really appreciate it well thanks for having me and um it's been great joining you and i think we talked about some really fun stuff today that's a wrap thank you for listening to this edition of cannabis karaoke another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis you can find us on itunes spotify soundcloud and our website cannabiskaraoke.tv And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the book your interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why isn't the endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. 
Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.